Anybody loving this weather? I love it. I was, I was stuck in the storm on Tuesday or whatever day it was where it just, the heavens opened up and it just dumped. And I was stuck in a, a place where I couldn't get out and I was locked out. And it was just kind of, it started sprinkling and all of a sudden it just dumped. And, and all I could do was, really? That's, you know, and, and so I'm dealing with a raspy voice from that. So um, bear with me here. Um, David Omen was a friend of mine from uh, back in, in Omaha, uh, and I had just gotten out of the Air Force and, and was getting ready to go back to college, and I needed a truck, and I had a, I had a 65 Corvair. If anyone knows cars, you know that 65 Corvair is a pretty cool car because not too many people had one, and I needed a, a, a truck to, to do some, some um, pick up some things, and so I asked David, he had a pickup, and I said, hey, you want to take my car, and I'll, I'll borrow your truck, and he said, okay. Well, I remember the, like the next day, I'm driving out by the airport, and I look over, and I see my car on the side of the road, and there's not many of them like that, and, and I said, what, that's my car, and I go over, and David was a, um, a, a pilot mechanic, so he was an airplane mechanic, and so I go over there, and I said, David, what's going on? And he goes, well, there was a noise in the engine. And I dropped the engine to check it out. And I'm like, you what? And I look down there, and my engine is on the ground. And I was like, you know, normally you sit there and you just say, okay, turn the radio up. That's what I do when there's a noise. But I go over there, and my engine is now on the ground. And I'm like, this is not what I really wanted when I said, let's switch vehicles. Well, I made up for it the next day. I'm driving back from church, coming over a hill, and the car in front of me, it was rainy. The car in front of me had stopped, and I didn't know that. And I just smashed into it. And so I said, all right, we're even. I have no engine. You have no truck. Um, but I got it. I, I get back to David and I said, I have no money whatsoever to, to fix this. So David ended up having his insurance. He had, he had to pay for that out of his pocket to, to get his truck fixed. And I'm feeling terrible. And to this day, I'm, I'm feeling terrible about the fact that David had to end up paying for that himself. Well, this evening... Today we're going to be talking about the whole idea of freedom and that freedom has a price, that somebody has to pay the price. And in that case, it was David, even though he didn't deserve to have to pay that, he ended up having to pay because I wasn't able to. And we want to talk a little bit about what that looks like when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Old Testament. We're going through um, Exodus, and last week, Pastor Matt went through the, the ten plagues. <clears throat> he kind of focused on the first nine, and then number ten is where we're going to kind of camp today. If, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair back in, fr- in front of you. You can go to page 53, and Exodus chapter 12, w- 1 through 13. Because we want to look at what happens when we hear the word Passover. If you've ever heard the word Passover in the, the Jewish tradition of celebrating the Passover, I want, to, I want you to understand what that's all about. Why do the Jewish people celebrate the Passover and what that really means and what, what that can mean for us today? So let's open in prayer and then we'll dive into God's word. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power it has to change lives. And I just pray that as we look at this, these plagues and we look at this, this last plague and, and what the Passover is all about and, and how that relates to who you are, I pray that you just make... Your word's clear through me um, today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Let's read that together. (coughs) The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you will celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So we look at this, and this is the last plague. Remember, we've had nine plagues up to this point. And the reason we have these plagues is because Pharaoh comes up and he says, Who is God? And God says, let me show you who I am. Let me show you my power. He's going to show it to the Egyptians. He's going to show it to his own people, the Israelites. And he goes through all these plagues. And, they, and as Matt said, they kind of build on each other. And we get to this last one. And as we look at this, we realize, man, there's something going on. Because God says, I want you to take a lamb. So as we, as we go through this, it says, take a lamb into your house. And it says, take him into your house for four days. And, and basically, for four days, you're going to have a pet lamb. Now, I don't know about you, but my kids, they would, they would take a frog and adopt it and make it their pet. And in four days, that thing would be like number two in the family. It would be above, you know, Susie and I. And, and the kids would just love this thing. And so you, the Israelites are supposed to take this lamb and bring it into their house. And, and then what's going to happen is they're going to end up having to sacrifice this lamb. And so it's not like you just find this lamb or you go out there and you, you find any lamb. You, you, gotta, you bring this lamb in for four days, you're living with this lamb, and then all of a sudden, now you're going to sacrifice this to the Lord. And it's, it says it's got to be without defect. And we're going to look at what that all means in a second. But it has to be a perfect lamb. There can't, you can't go out and say, I'll take this one because it's got a broken leg, so it's no use to us any, anyway. It's got to be a lamb that has no defects. And, and so when they bring him in, he says, bring that in and keep it with your family. And then you're going to slaughter it. You're going to kill it. And you're going to take the blood from that lamb, lamb and you're going to put it over the doorposts 
of your house. And, there, and we're going to look at why that is. Because the first thing we want to look at is the Passover is Passover means delivered from God's judgment. God is judging the people of, of Egypt because they're, they're refusing to listen to him. And so he goes to Pharaoh and he says, I'm going to harden your heart and I'm going to end up doing all these things. A lot of the, the plagues that affected the Egyptians affected the Israelites. When you have a bunch of frogs bouncing around everywhere, that affects the Israelites as well as the Egyptians. And so we get to this 10th plague and God looks in and says, I want to spare my people from this because what's going to happen is the angel of death is going to come through and it's going to, dist- it's going to kill the firstborn son of, of every household and the firstborn of the animals in that household. And so I mean, this is pretty gruesome. We look at it and we say, God, why would you do that? <clears throat> Isn't there a better way to get someone's attention? And when I, when I start to question God, and this is what I want to encourage you to think about, when you start to question God and you start to think, all right, God, I don't think you got that one right. You, you, you've been doing pretty good. 90% isn't bad, but 10%, you really kind of messed up on that. That's when I would sit there and say, be careful. Because when we sit there and try to think like God, and if we start to think, all right, you know what? I can understand God's mind. I think I have this down now. I always say, you better go find a bigger God. Because if the God that I worship and, and serve is a God that thinks like I do, man, our entire universe is in trouble. Thank God I have a God that thinks far beyond anything I can imagine, even when it doesn't make sense. And sometimes that's what happens here when we think of the Passover, is that <laughs> they're delivered from God's judgment. God's going to come in and he's going to wipe out the firstborn of every household. But he says, if you put that blood on the doorpost, as that angel comes by, he's going to see that blood, and that blood is going to represent a sacrifice that was made, and those people are spared. That, that family spared that grief. And, and so um, the second thing we look at is that the Egyptians of that time were kind of like the world or sin today. The Egyptians were, were um, taking over the Israelites. So the Israelites were, were slaves to the Egyptians. And we look at today, a lot of times we don't even realize it, but we're slaves to the world. We're slaves to sin. <coughs> if you don't think our world is messed up, you haven't turned the TV on this past week. There's no way you can sit there and look at what's going on in our country and say, yeah, everything's going great. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. I'm sure there are countries looking at us going, man, they are so messed up. And most of it's our own fault anyway. But we look at them and we say, man, we're in a mess. And I truly believe that we're in a mess because of sin. And we're, we're slaves to sin. So Israel was captive by Egypt. We're captive by Satan and, and by sin. Ephesians 5, 6-8 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. It says, before we came to the point of knowing that we're sinners, or realizing we're sinners, and that we needed Jesus to save us. It says we're in darkness. We're living in darkness. Then it says, but when you came to that point of understanding that we needed Jesus and what he did on the cross for us, it says now you're light. Live as children of light. 
So we go from being slaves to the world and to sin to now becoming slaves to Jesus. The Bible says that we're now slaves to God, that God is our master, that we should be listening to and reporting to and, and saying, what is it that you want from me? Not what the world says, what Satan says, but what God says. So God rescues his people while punishing evil. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, we see that God came through and he, and he rescues the Israelites because he comes through and this is the, the plague that finally got Pharaoh's attention. And Pharaoh said, all right, enough. Get out of here. And we're going to see how that plays out here. But in the same way today, God does the same thing. Second Peter 2, 4 through 9. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous from punishment on the day of judgment. So he goes through and he says, if God didn't spare the people of Noah's time, Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't throw in here, but he could have easily said, if, if God didn't spare the Egyptians... When he went through and he wiped out the firstborn, he says, do you think that he's, he's any different today? God is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he says, I'm going to take care of my people. And he goes, and I'll take care of the, those that end up hurting my people. I think about it for me as a dad. Somebody comes up and they're threatening my kids or they want to hurt my kids. Man, my protective mode comes in, comes in and I'm going to do anything I can to protect them. And you think about it, that that's the way God is with us. God says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. And that's something that we can, we can be excited about, the fact that if we're children of God, we've got a God who wants to protect us. And he's going to take care of us. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. The, the result is eternal life, that because of what God did for us, we can spend eternity with God when we leave this earth. We can be excited about that. Galatians 1, 3, and 4 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And see, so we're going to look at that, that just like the lamb in the Old Testament ended up saving the people of that house, the firstborn of that house, that's what Christ did for us. Christ did the same thing for us if we, if we truly believe that and understand that. Because 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that, that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we sit there and say, we are slaves to the world. We're slaves to sin. And the only, only way that we can get out of that is says, who is it that overcomes the world? How do we get out of that slavery? It says, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
It's not by how good can I be? Can I be good enough to get through? It's, it's all about what Jesus did for us. And I use this analogy as far as the idea that we want to sit there and say, you know what, I'm just going to make sure that I'm as good or I'm, I'm a little bit better than that person, you know, next to me. So that, I, so that God's going to look down and say, boy, I didn't think you were that good, but man, compared to Johnny over there, you're, you're all right. But we, we look at it like this. God says, this is God. And God says, I want you to focus on me. I don't want you to focus on what's, what's back there, or what the world is doing. I want you to focus on what I'm doing and, and what I want for you. And when we do that, God says, you're going to keep getting closer to me. That's what God wants for our life. He wants us to understand that's what God is calling us to, is a, a life of holiness, a life that's set apart, that's different than the world. But what, what ends up happening is we sit there, we turn around, and we say, well, here's the world. We're going to, the water is world, because we all know that water is sinful. So the water is there, and, and we're looking and saying, I'm keeping my distance, so I'm okay. Well, the world doesn't stay there. The world keeps going further and further away. And we keep keeping our distance and pretty soon we turn around and we realize that we've stepped far away from God because our focus is on what's going on over here, all the bad stuff that's going on in our world. And we sit there and say, as long as I focus on that and I stay away from that, as long as I'm not as bad as those people, then God's going to be pleased with me. But there comes a point where we turn around and God says, look how far you've gone from me because your focus wasn't on me, it was on the world. And so we, we've got to look at that and say, we have to believe what Jesus did on the cross was to save us. Just like that lamb saved the firstborn, that's what Jesus did for us. Freedom costs somebody something. We know in our country, we have different days of the year that we celebrate our freedom. And we thank those that gave their life. And we remember them. Because the freedom we have came at a cost. Many of us here know people, knew people, that gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country so that we could have the freedom to meet the way we are tonight without being threatened. We could have the freedom to say the things that we want to say, even if others disagree. And that's, that's the freedom that comes, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost, when, it, when we think of our country, it comes at a cost spiritually. Israel, it, it costs a lamb. Our freedom from sin in the world, it costs us Jesus' life. And so when we look at that, I want us to think about what was it that Jesus gave up? He gave up his life for us. Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Forgiveness meaning that God looks down and he says, you are now a child of mine. You are forgiven. Not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did. And, and because Jesus did that, you're, you're, you're now free. You're now forgiven because of Jesus' blood. But there had to be a shedding of blood for that to happen. The Passover lamb <clears throat> equals Christ. Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. Today, and when we look at Exodus 12, and we, and we look at the Passover, and the Jewish people today, they still celebrate the Passover. 
They celebrate how Jesus spared them, how God spared them. And we look at it and say, Jesus today represents the lamb of the Old Testament in Exodus. Just as that lamb's blood was shed so that they could be spared, Jesus' blood was shed so that we can be spared. And so that, that last plague, when we look at it and we say, boy, that was pretty gruesome to sit there. And you can, you can imagine the wailing that goes on. I was in, we were down in, um, I have to think of where, Branson, I think it was, that we went down there and went, went to one of those plays where, and, and the, the play was, um, was Moses. Not, not Moses, because that would be kind of, was it Moses? I'm going to look to my wife now, and that's what it was. All right, it was Moses. And, and one of the big things was this plague. So we're down there, and we're, we're sitting there watching this, and pretty amazing to watch all this stuff. You see the water parting and all this stuff like that. And then it came to this plague part. And when they did that, you, you heard the wailing. And you heard these people screaming and yelling because the darkness came, and all of a sudden, all this death came to all these people. And you, you realize that they couldn't, there's no way they could possibly have, have you know, acted that out the way it probably really happened. Because all you have to think about is think of your loved one. If you have children, think of your child. And that child dies in the night. And the wailing that goes on. And then multiply that by all the hundreds of thousands of families. All of that happening at the same time. And that's what happened here. As the Passover came, as, as the angel came, came through. See, we're spared from death like the Israelites because of Jesus, the Passover lamb. John 5, 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. See, those people had to obey Understand this, that somebody could come up and say, I don't really believe that, God. I don't believe that you would do that. And if they didn't put that blood on the doorpost, guess what happened in that household? The child died because they refused to obey and refused to believe. But when they believed and they they obeyed that, it says they were spared. And the interesting thing is, as you look at this, it, it goes on and it says that, it talks about what to wear. Verse 11 of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 says, this is how you're to eat. With your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So God's coming up saying, I want you to eat with your shoes on, with your clothes, clothes on, ready to go. Why did he say that? Because after this Last plague, Pharaoh's going to come up and say, get out. Get out. And he's finally going to let his people go after this. So God says, you need to be ready. You you need to be ready to move. So really, being dressed, ready to go at any moment, was really an idea of faith on the Israelites. Because remember, this is number 10. God's already done nine plagues. And Pharaoh keeps saying, nope, nope, nope. So they're probably thinking, man, here we go. Here's another one. But God says, you be dressed and ready to go. And so they had to have faith that God was going to do something here. Even though a lot of times in our lives, we sit there and go, God, what's going to happen? When are you going to do whatever it is that that needs to be done in my life? 
and we sit there and we start to give up at times. You can imagine the Israelites probably saying, okay, you know what? They, and they did. They grumbled all the time. They said, boy, I wish we were back. When they got freed after this, they, they were let go. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians say, wait a minute, we lost all our workers. And they chase them down. And then the Israelites say, boy, I wish we were back as slaves. What a bunch of morons. They didn't realize everything that God had just done. But yet they're saying, boy, I just wish I was back there just, you know, having that rough life. And that's, that's the way the Israelites were. But here they had to have faith to say, you know what? Even though it's been nine plagues and God's done nothing, I'm still going to trust God that he's, he's going to be ready to do something. I don't know about you, but I hate bees. Okay, now you're sitting there going, where in the world did he just go? All right, I hate bees. Anyone, does anyone really like bees? All right, we like honey, okay? But I mean, I like honey, but I don't really like the, where honey comes from, all right? Bees and I just don't get along. I remember when I was, I was playing as a kid and we were playing hide and seek and I found this perfect spot. It was a perfect spot to play hide and seek. We're out in New Hampshire, my grandmother's house and, and I'm hiding under this little porch and I was just like, oh, they're never going to find me here. It'll be like three days and no one's ever going to find me. Well, all of a sudden I heard this zzzz. And I'm not kidding when I say I was sitting on a bee's nest. I was sitting on this thing and I didn't realize it. But I can tell you one thing. There was a part of my body that knew it. And I jumped up, smacked my head on the porch, and I lost the game. But I couldn't sit for like two days because, man, they were all coming at one time. It was like they just got together and said, let's just make one giant huge needle and just boom. And, and so I was sitting there going, wow. And I never, I've never liked bees. So just not too long ago, we were out and um, I was with some friends here in town and they have some apartments and they said, hey, you got to come out and check out those apartments, what we're, how we're remodeling them and stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. I, I love like, I love those shows, you know, Extreme Makeover, all this stuff where they take an old house and they fix it up and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'll check it out. So we go, we go upstairs, we go into this apartment, and it's like, wow, this is so cool. And she goes, yeah, check this out. Check out the deck. So we go on the deck, and there's like a screen door that goes out to the deck. She opens the door, and it slams shut. There's a huge beehive in the door that when she shut the door, it woke up those bees. Now she's on the deck, second story out there, and all these bees are buzzing around. And I had a moment where I was sitting there going, how fast can I run away from here? But then I was like, she's stuck. And so I, so I just said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do what I know I probably shouldn't do, but I know that God would want me to do. And I said, all right, get ready, Kathy, because here we go. I'm going to open this door, and you just run. And I opened that door, and she took off. No one, they, I don't think one bee touched her. They all came back, and they said, hey, our cousins told us about you when you were a kid. Oh, we, we heard that you just love this. And so they came out, and they just started coming at me. And, just, and I was like, why in the world? So I, I don't ever want to go back to those places again. I was like, but it was just one of those things where I saw that. And, and at that moment, I was like, we're in real trouble. We're in real trouble here. Let me read this verse to you because I love this verse. I love these verses here. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, 
is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And and it's quoted from the Old Testament as well, where it talks about, hey, death, where's your victory? Hey, death, where's your sting? Because just like the bees, we can sit there and we say, I have a fear. Because I know what's going to happen. I know what these guys want to do to me. And that sting, we're afraid of. We know the pain that's going to come. But here it says, hey, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? Because of Jesus, that victory is gone. That victory is, is ours because of Jesus. The sting is actually gone. We don't, we don't have to worry about the fear of death, that, that sting that comes with it. Now, there's a story that's told, and I don't know if it's true, but it, it is true for now because it, it fits with what I'm going to say. So that this dad was in the car, and this bee was flying around, and the, and the little girl's in the back seat screaming, Aah! like little girls do, because there's a bee in the car. And if I were the one driving, there'd be two of us screaming like little girls, because that's what I'd be doing. Well, the dad grabs the bee. It's in his hand. The bee stings him, and the dad lets the bee go, because supposedly this special kind of bee only has one stinger. And once that, that's gone, there's no more threat. And so the girl's freaking out. She's, she's scared. She's like, that bee's coming after me. And the dad holds up his hand and says, he can't harm you. I've taken it. There is somebody who held up both hands. And he got stung in both hands and in the side. And he hung on a cross. And he took the sting of death for you and for me. That's the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb because he he took the sting of death And when we think of death, we don't have to fear death if we know who Jesus is. We don't have to mourn death for those loved ones if we know that they're going to be spending eternity in heaven with God. Not to say we're not going to have times where we're going to be missing them and and obviously have sorrow for that. But knowing that they're at a place that more than likely is so much better off. It is so much better off than where they're at here. And, it, and that, that sting of death is gone. And Jesus took that victory. So when we think about the fact that the, the Israelites celebrated Passover all through the Old Testament up to today, when you, when you hear about the Jewish people celebrating the Passover, they call it the Seder meal, and they go through all these different rituals, and all of those things that they do, the food and, and the different things that they do, all related to what happened that night. It talks about the the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that leaven takes time to get the bread to rise. The reason that they have unleavened bread and they they use unleavened bread in the Passover is because they didn't have time to to wait for that, that bread to rise because they were out. Pharaoh said, get out of here. And so they didn't have that week that it takes And so they celebrate with unleavened bread because that says we remember what God did for us at that time. So the Passover 
is celebrating what God did back in Exodus 12 with the, with the 10th plague. Today, we don't, as Christians, celebrate the Passover. We celebrate something called communion or the Lord's Supper. In a couple weeks, we'll be doing that again. And what that is, is celebrating what Jesus did for us. Just as the Passover is celebrating what God did for the Israelites, how he spared them, and the blood of the lamb saved them. Communion, when we celebrate communion and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is saying, hey, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus, his blood, spared us. We have a victory because of what Jesus did, and we celebrate that. That's what communion's about for us. It's the same idea as what the Jews do with Passover is, let's celebrate what Jesus did. And I want to really encourage you to think about in your life, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what Jesus did for you on the cross? When Easter comes, is it a time to sit there and go, good, we get a day off work on Friday or something? Or is there something where you sit there and go, what is this all about? What happened on that Friday and that Sunday? Friday, Jesus took the sting of death. Sunday, Jesus rose and said, death, you don't have any victory. You have no victory because I've conquered death. And that's what Jesus did for us. So I just want us to encourage us to really think, think through, what is it in my life? How do I truly take what the Passover is all about? Exodus 12, when it talks about the lamb and shedding his blood and how that correlates perfectly with Jesus and who Jesus is and what he did for us. And we can say, Jesus, thank you for, for the shedding of your blood so that we can have, spend eternity with God in heaven. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for, for sending your son, God, down to just the sacrifice that he made to make us right with, with you. Lord, we know that we can't do it on our own. Lord, we know that we're slaves to this world until we become slaves to you that we're going to be serving a master and it's either going to be Satan in this world or it's going to be you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help each one of us to truly look at our lives and say, who is it that we're, we truly are serving? But who are we following after? Where's our focus? Is it on you getting closer to you? Or is it on the world and getting further away? Thank you so much for loving us and just thank you so much for, for what we can learn from Exodus and how you protected your people then, and how you protect us today. In Jesus' name, amen.